My name is William Del Pilar, the conservative Latino, and I'm with Big Fat John at your service. I never say Big Fat John. I like the term girthy. Girthy. <laughs> I, I don't know why it makes me uncomfortable. It gives That's me, why I like it. It gives it me makes the Okay, fair enough. I, look, I'm down with that. If, you, if your goal is to make me feel uncomfortable, then yes, that is the proper that is the proper yeah, phrase. I have no shame. Uh, in That's fact, okay. a good friend of mine, or my parents' friends, special yes. forces guy, this guy has some hell of a war stories that he tell, yep. told me. Well, he's passed, but, you know, he's a super macho. And I would do that joke, and he didn't like it. Now he's older, <laughs> and I'm a man now, so we would look at it equal. So I gave him the hug. I love that old guy. And I grab his ass. Oh, Never no. seen a man freak out and jump as high as I have. Oh, my God. He must have thought you were a mo. Well, the whole point was uh, I just knew how uncomfortable. I'm not going to say he's homophobic. Because, I'll say it. Maybe he was homophobic. I don't but, know. Uh, uh, well, I would hope not, considering uh, things I know about the family. And uh, he oh. would, too. But, I mean, nothing bad. Just, you know. You, I know you what know. you mean. Okay, I got but, you. Because uh, uh, he was a great man. He is yeah. one of those great unsung heroes that served this country. Panamanian. He lived for the army. He was, it's probably where I get some of my patriotism from. Mm. I mean, it's, that's just it. And we won't go into it. we got a show to do, but sure. uh, as a, as so much history in a different country, you just look at this country differently, but let's get to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Tonight, to it. tonight, Dwayne Haskins, mm. rest in peace. Mm. Brittany Griner, still locked up. Cam Newton, can you just shut the bleep up? Mm. And Big John remembers Gilbert Gottfried. R.I.P. Gilbert. And let's just jump right on into there, Big John. Sure. Dwayne Haskins. There's been a lot said about Mr. Hack Haskins. He's become very controversial. In fact, I would dare say that he is the biggest football controversy we've had since Colin Kaepernick. Obviously not at the same level, but right. this is kind of blown up. Uh, first of all, let's give a hat tip to Miss Sydney Henderson of USA Today, with the story, NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins hit and killed by dump trunk. Here's what we know. And I want to pass it off to you, John. Sure. Uh, tell us a little about how he died. And uh, then I want to talk about his history. Yeah. So, it, first of all, a tragedy, no matter how you look at it. Um, young man, 24 years old. He would have been 25 uh, shortly. Um when the reports first broke, William, all we knew was he had been killed while walking on the interstate. Um, interstate. I don't know about New York, but the interstates out here, four wide, and, yeah. and there's never not a car crossing that spot. Exactly. That's what makes it so weird, right? And even more, so, so at first I said, well, maybe he was walking on the on the shoulder and he somehow got hit, you know, like sometimes people get hit when their car breaks down, when they're on the shoulder and they're not careful. But this one said, no, he got hit crossing the interstate, which was again, very, why, right? Um, and it was right after a practice, I think. Uh, a teammate, Chase Claypool, said he was the last one to talk to him. And, and Well, he was down there doing work with Mitch Trubisky and I forget who else, but some Steelers were down there, you know, off-season work, I think on their own. Yeah. And so struck and killed. And um, obviously a tragedy, super tragedy. Um, but yeah, so and it, there was some mystery surrounding it. Um, but then, you know, as things come out, there may have been some other people. Involved. We don't know, by the way, it's not been, I don't think, confirmed, William, whether or not 
uh, there was a, another driver that he was trying to help or not help or, or oh the the driver who may have been inebriated inebriated yes drunk inebriated. Um, so I, I there there's a lot of uncertainties here but at the end of the day the 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 final sad fact tragic fact is that a young man lost his life uh, probably needlessly. Um, oh, I don't think there's probably he lost it needlessly. Needlessly, you're right. Uh, my bad. Uh, he, did, <laughs> he did lose his life needlessly. I mean, there was no reason for it. Um, so yeah, uh, but as usual, William, uh, it's not just what happened, but what happened after it happened, right? Right, right, right. And and uh, before we do that, I'd like to set it up so sure. people know who Dwayne Haskins is and. Uh, you're right. It's always a tragedy. And we're talking about it here. Clay, Clay Travis of Outkick made a couple of great comments on how we look at that situation, depending yeah. on where in life we are. But uh, I want to set it up with his college and his pros, because when I researched this, I was like, whoa, extreme from both ends in yeah. terms of greatness to to failure. Yeah. And, and um, the side of failure, that story was yet to be finished. So right. it's not like he was he would have ended up that way. Right. So I set us up with that in terms of uh, what about college, Ohio State, yeah. right? Ohio State, he had a great one season, basically, as a junior. Uh, just an incredible season, 50 touchdowns, a rocket arm, uh, very athletic on the field. Uh, well, he could make you throw from anywhere. Yeah, he, he literally was Justin Fields before Justin Fields, you know. Um, so had a, a bright future. There were some questions whether he needed another year as a starter because he only played the one season, essentially. Right, right. So it was one of those situations, well, did he show enough talent to justify him going to the NFL a year early? As is usually the case in those in these situations, the kid chose to go for the money and say, I'm coming out early, right? Because right. everyone projected him to be a number one pick. As a matter of fact, most people had him going to my Giants that season. Uh, but they it would have been a row reversal. That right, would have been would've... a row reversal because because well, I, I, we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, like initially, a lot of mock experts experts had him going to the Giants, and the Giants pulled the fast one by using their number six pick on Daniel Jones. Haskins fell to the Redskins, and at the time, a lot of people said that was a huge mistake on the Giants' part that they should have taken Haskins, that he was the better athletic quarterback. He's and by the way. Year. Yeah, by the way, uh, maybe that would have been true in a different environment. Uh, certainly, Daniel Jones is no great shakes. and But anyway, so Haskins went to the Redskins, really had a rocky start. And you might say to yourself, well, he's a rookie, seven, seven TDs, seven interceptions, kind of looked lost at times. But that wasn't the disturbing part with uh, when you're playing for Ron Rivera. The disturbing part were was the reports coming out that he wasn't necessarily a good teammate. He wasn't focused. He didn't put in the hard work at practice. He wasn't necessarily the most studious uh, uh, um, player, especially for a quarterback. Well, he didn't have issues with his teammates as much as uh, they couldn't understand him. So I mean, in terms of the habits, he was yes, in, in, up. right. Because he he they all talked well. And in fact, that was wasn't that that was one of the confusing issues about him. Everybody, you kind of like him. He's personable. Oh no, no, he was very personable. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That, that yeah. Again, maybe I misspoke. By being a good teammate, I mean not doing the work necessary to elevate right. the team. In right. terms of a person, I don't think anyone said, oh, man, I can't stand him. I think it was more the case of, man, he let us down again. 
you know, he, yeah, he just yeah. didn't come through again, you know, that sort of thing. Um, well, I don't think he would, they said it like that. He probably had his detractors who saw the same thing. I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking Rivera, but, but if I remember correctly, it, Jay Gruden put him in the game. That's what it was. Jay Gruden wanted Dan, and company wanted Dan, uh, 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 Daniel Jones, who the Giants snagged. But uh, he's a local kid. You know, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, they're like, hey, we draft a local kid. We're going to be able to have uh, more sales. And Haskins was a local product there. And, so and, and let's face it, was it, overruled. And he had the hype. Yeah, exactly. Daniel, exactly, Daniel Jones exactly. did not have the hype. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and Snyder overruled him, though. And, yeah. well, it didn't matter because Jones did not uh, fodder them, anyway. them anyway. Right. So they got him. But, you know, I, I've just gotten more fiercer with this belief, John. Don't throw your projects into the fire. Yes. Because, and what I mean by that are these small school uh, 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 kids. It's like Malik Willis. It's like, dude, he did not have a, the, as great a year as I assumed he would coming out. No wonder they're saying he's a weak class. But if he's this talented, then do not. I mean, what I'm saying is let him drop where he belongs. It's not, I mean, that's not dictated by you or us. But my point is, they just want to throw these young kids out. And uh, I, my point being is Haskins, was, he needed 14 games total. He played in college. Yeah, right. So he, I mean, he look at Daniel Jones. He's got one more year. And granted, no one can dispute the fact those were some pretty horrific teams and some bad leadership on the Giants the last few years. Yes. So he's been given a little bit of a mulligan, and this is do or die. Haskins didn't even have that long. He had yeah. two seasons, yeah. and that was it. What, not even two full seasons. And uh, it was Rivera that cut him, though, right? Right, Rivera. Well, he lost them the game that had they won, would have won them the, the division. The division. And so I think it was that lack of, for general terms, it was a lack of a work ethic. And yeah. If yeah. it looked like his career might be over, but then he he caught on with the Steelers. He was the backup uh, to Roethlisberger last year. And this year, uh, he was going to be in a quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Uh, we're assuming, we're assuming that the Steelers wouldn't have drafted like a Kenny Pickett or somebody. Right. Uh, but the assumption going in was that he would at least try to compete for the starting job this year. Well, um, he was pretty, rem I don't want to say remorseful, but he was pretty uh, adamant, it seemed, about coming back and yeah. like realizing, you know, I need to improve myself a bit here. Yeah. And maybe he was starting to develop that self-confidence. And know? again, only 24. Like, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the other thing that, generally speaking, we look at football players, and I, I'm guilty of this too, that at 21, we kind of expect that they're grown men already, you know, that right. they have the maturity of grown men. It's very rare that they do. Like when you look at a Peyton Manning coming out or somebody like that, who, who like had that, not just football maturity, but just maturity, right? That other yeah, people man, yeah, but that's a rarity. It's extremely rare. Most yeah. of the time you end up with divas. You, well, you, that's because John and an agent and former players have told me yeah. this, that once your skill is discovered, Oh yeah. No one ever says no to you. Exactly. They kiss your butt yeah. constantly. And, and once the game ends, lives come crashing down emotionally, yep. mentally. And oh. now with the way CTE, the way science is starting to diagnose CTE, it's like, God, there's a massive, I mean, they're getting multi-millions. God bless them. I don't care. But then you kind of have to weigh, 
Am I going to live long enough to really enjoy all this? Well, yes, that's a great point. And also, here's the other point most people don't think of. The human brain is still developing till roughly the age of 25, 26. Right. The human body, too, right around 26, 27, 28. People don't realize that type yeah. of stuff. And the, the, but more importantly, the brain. So when you start to think about these kids being immature, oh, uh, yeah. especially at the beginning of their career, their brains are still developing. I know it sounds almost like you should be talking about babies in that manner. But it's also been one of my grief, uh, one of my sticking points in general about why is the age of consent almost universally 18? Because like, they you know, assume your development. Yeah. And it, may, it may be back 200 years ago. It was. Well, it was your, I think it's because the physical development is, mm -hmm. is outpacing the mental development at that point. You know, you're not the first that had mentioned that. I think I saw that on the sci-fi channel. Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, okay. I'm okay. So let's get to it here in terms of the controversy. Yes. I'll let you uh, handle it. But my take is you and I grew up in an era where if somebody passed, uh, uh, our parents didn't even tell us. We kind of knew. Shut the bleep up and don't say anything that you're thinking of because you're going to say something bad or stupid. You know, yeah. and the man is dead. That's how we grew up. You never, you kept your trap shut period. And I'll be the first to say social media has changed that for the younger generations. But even for people in our generation, I'll haul off and say stuff sometimes now because it's kind of like it built up in me so much. I'm like, bleep you. And so it's a very, uh, uh, it's a situation where people I think are, are just really out there uh, 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 mentally when they're on social media. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. The end, well, First of all, there's definitely a generational distinction in that regard, in the sense that um, people of our generation, and I'll take it even a bit further, people of our generation who may perhaps have grown up in a city like New York, where people are, are notoriously, especially from my generation, sarcasm was a way of life, insults were a way of life. Four four letter words flow freely. You know what I mean. Oh, that, you know what that was. I, I think that that's not just New York City. That's how our, our group was. I think we were the last generation. Right, and and so you take us, and then maybe you take someone like me who's so much a free speech advocate, and you put me in front of people who want to monitor everything I say. My first reaction is not just to be against that. It's to go entirely in the opposite direction. So people who knew me during my Wall Street days don't recognize me now. <laughs> because on Wall Street, I was the I was the picture of professionalism, always wearing a nice Brooks Brothers suit, never used any foul language, always used the high vocabulary, made it a point no matter who yelled at me, I would stay calm and speak in my nice radio voice and just calm them down. Now, I can't wait to unleash a barrage of four-letter words and curses and screams at anybody who crosses me or tries to tell me what to say. In your defense, the pushback on that, I don't think I've ever heard you go go crazy with the cursing, but I've seen that fierceness in some of those posts. Yeah, yeah. The point I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, though. William uh, is always reeling me in, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like, even, Much like my program director at Sirius when I had my show, where every Monday after my weekend show, William, I got that call. We need to talk about what you said. For a year, I got that, okay? Tell uh, us what Adam Schefter said. You're right. Adam Schefter, uh, in reporting the breaking news, now remember, breaking news yeah. of Haskins' tragic death, tweeted out, 
Um, he said Dwayne Haskins uh, was struck and killed. Quote, comma, struggled to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL. He, he was 24. He would have been 25. Right, now, right. I don't view that as offensive. Maybe slightly out of taste, slightly, because he's mixing in football with the tragic, breaking the tragic news of his death. Um, so I view it as maybe it could have been worded better, but I didn't see anything, um, anything inappropriate. And I didn't see anything that would certainly have merited the avalanche of pushback and outrage that Schefter received. Um, so Schefter is the one response people reacted to that I don't understand. Like, just don't, don't, it, don't read his tweets. That's just it. That, that's my whole point. It's, yeah. you know, uh, in fact, they, I have it. Um, in essence, people are holier than thou uh, behind their computer. Yes. I mean, you can, you, there's probably a rapist there, you know, condemning Schefter because he lacks taste, you know, and, and I'm being semi-serious. It's, it's people who just put themselves on a pedestal. And so here was, a, a, and we also live in this, in this uh, odd world, you know, so these people are empowered and they have the power to back it up and there's nothing that right. happen to them or any, any consequences. So they go worse, worse, and worse. So they just attack him as, is, as if he's the greatest sin that have ever evolved, you know? So it, it was just, it was just over the top. It was exactly, it was so, like, look, you could have just said like, if, like in my typical, like if I were to reply to Schefter at that point, I would have said something like, Dude, really? Did you? Well, need see, to that's mention? the only type of response. I mean, it's it, it's that minor to where like you need to mention it. Like, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. Not, that's the way I viewed it. Yes, you know. And Trey, uh, 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 Travis Clay actually said it best. Is you know what he was trying to do was do a little Twitter limited obituary in terms of encompassing what his football career was and the fact he passed and that's where you're like dude this isn't obituary it's twitter it doesn't work you know? yeah and 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 there's something to be said about the expected professionalism of a professional uh writer yeah news writer journalist so if you and i got on twitter and we and we had tweeted that nobody holds us to that standard i would hope Oh, no, no, no. And, and again, going to what I say, the people who had those standards have said 10 things, 10 zillion yes. words. Uh, They're the ones yelling at you. Yeah. But um, anyway, so that was the the first tweet where that got horrible uh, pushback. The second one was actually by Gil Brandt, uh, 90 years old, I think right now, William, yeah. former uh, Cowboys executive. John, I know Gil Brandt. I mean, yeah. he probably wouldn't remember me, but yeah. in my time, I always ran into him when we talk. And yeah. In fact, the lesson that I learned about Gil Brandt, never give him your mobile. At the time, they called it cell phones. You know? yeah. Never give him your cell phone. I mean, they still got cell phones. But, that was the, but anyway. Uh, I mean, don't give him your number or don't give him no, your phone? No, don't give him the cell phone. Hey. Can I borrow your phone? And I'm not thinking. Oh, I got you. Next thing I know, I'm like, where's Gil at? 20 minutes later, man, 
bastard had made a damn long distance call and I had been warned that's what he does. And then does he have a salary? And uh, 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 in fact, it was uh, an insider from the Philly area. Well, he's an insider now, but we came up together. Uh, he's the one who warned me of it. <laughs> but anyway, so you're right. He's a 90 year old man and uh, former Cowboys is your parents and my dad my parents generation and that's old school they kind of say it and he's come from he comes from that old school mentality he says it how how not necessarily for effect or anything he just says because that's what he knows of the person and at, and at 90 really who cares at that point if you're 90 say whatever you want but here's what he yeah, said exactly uh here's the one that i think he did too he doubled down and this is the one he doubled down on he said they told him meaning haskins don't under any circumstances leave school early. You just don't have the work habits. You don't have this. You don't have that. But what did he do? Left school early. Anytime anybody dies, it's tragic, especially when you're 24 years old and you've got your whole life ahead of you. Maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things. Now, this one I find totally like no need to write this. Oh, right, right. I find this to be not even what Schefter did, which was stating a fact. Like, he struggled with the Redskins and he hoped to continue his career in Pittsburgh. That's Those are facts, okay? Mm -hmm. That This stuff is opinion mixed in with fact. And it's actually, in his eyes, all fact, because that's what he saw. Remember, uh, people forget he was a scout. And he was uh, yes. still consulting. You yeah, know, I don't know if he was consulting a couple of years ago, but he's still in that world. So for him to not really have an opinion, I'm not defending him. I agree with you. Yeah. But my point is, uh, uh, when you saw that, were you offended or like what the fuck was I, was I offended? No. Yeah. Um, saying, okay. Okay. Hold on. And that's my point. People uh, of the morality, they're offended. There's a certain power to how you're offended versus, yeah, kind of bugged me. It's like if you're offended, it's deep. It's it affected me. You know, it's it's how much is that, Mister Therapist? You know, I need to cut you that check for. Well, that's what you get when they, and that's how they're saying it, and that's how they're using it, and that's what I find offensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, when someone, it used to be at least for us growing up. The word offense, I took offense. You're right. That means it was a personalized insult. Yeah. For example, That's what our moms used to give us. Exactly. Way. In other words, I'm very difficult to offend yes, through social media, right? I have, um, and by the way, I'm not claiming to be a comic, but I think I have a comics mentality in that you could say almost anything to me. And especially if I get the impression that it was meant in the context of a joke or a snide comment, I might reply to it. I might go back to, but I, I don't get offended. I don't ask that anybody be blocked. I don't ask that, um, uh, that people lose their jobs or anything like that. Like, look, last week we talked about Louis CK and one of the comedians, uh, that you oh, mentioned yeah. as complaining against him had a tweet, Jen Kirkman had a tweet. I retweeted, I quote tweeted her and put the word accusers in quotes, right? Meaning like, because my position is Louis didn't really do anything wrong, right? She blocked me. She didn't even, and by the way, the thing that I find astonishing is she's a stand-up comedian. So I know, for someone- you, know John? you probably are one and you can count on two hands how many people would think, think Louis did nothing wrong. Yeah. No, no, but my point is for someone who whose living is dependent on the ability to go up and say what you want without people shutting you down. 
for oh, her yeah. to, to take to take offense like that on a non-personalized level is astonishing to me so you know gil grant should so i'm sorry one last thing maybe people should be outraged at what he said but not take offense at what he said so for example tell him like oh crap you should have <laughs> what's he saying okay. what's he doing you know like no, no, no. okay yeah uh, uh, here's a little no pushback but here's another angle yeah because i research this story and i think you you figured out a, i do research in depth what Gilbrandt said was true. And I'm not saying this to hurt Hastings. What I'm saying is people are trying to say, well, he's a, don't put a 90 year old man out there. Well, one, Gilbrandt, even when I knew him back then, he was extremely sharp. But that means nothing because, you know, years yeah. have passed. However, if the NFL still has him on, and he's not just on one show, he does a lot of pop ins, pop outs, he must still have it together at 90. And some people do. Uh, uh, so, I mean, look at Trump, look at Biden. You know, whatever you may think of one of them, one one can be coherent, the other can't anymore. You know, so 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 my point is, I don't question him being ninety as much as what was Gil Brandt commenting on. So, for example, was he on there? And, and Clay Travis again uh, pulled this. He just got my mind thinking because it's so common sense. Right. Uh, but why would you have a ninety-year-old guy on there? Now he knows inside and out, but probably no better than anybody else at the NFL Network or radio, you know that type. Right. So couldn't they have found a former teammate, somebody he went with? I mean, it just seems like he's not the one who should have been there at ninety. It's like, come on, Gil, we're going to put you as a consultant now. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little mean here, and I shouldn't be. But my point is, is when I did research, what he said was correct. And the reason I say that is. This kid had everything in talent, you know, but it's, this is where I, it's like, he's a grown man should take responsibility. But the truth of the matter is a lot of his downfall is only 14 games. The adults weren't able to convince him. And then once he got to Washington, uh, he had the world against him. He had a, a coaching staff that did not want him right. uh, because he was forced on him by ownership overruled them, you know, so, so he didn't take the proper sit to learn, but I don't think Jay Gruden's staff, it just seems to me that uh, everything went bad and the team was partly to blame. I guess I look at it like this. It's a Dan Snyder team. When's the last time Dan Snyder ran? Uh, uh, I mean, when's the last time Washington has done anything? I, I, I don't disagree with you. He did face adversity. He didn't handle it well. And look, he fell into the trap that a lot of really talented athletes fall into they think their athleticism can overcome everything right that right. is that, that's what some suspect right like hey i've got a rocket arm who cares if i throw it into triple coverage but what's the one thing every rookie says as soon as they hit the nfl man this game is a lot faster than it was in college yeah, um is. and listen just on a very you know like when i played football in high school going from junior to senior you were like wait how did how did these guys get to i've never seen anybody this fast in my life i mean when i i played special teams my first kickoff against seniors and i went to hit somebody and by the time my arms moved from my chest out six inches the guy had juked me and was by me you know it was like and i was like who the hell is so i was so unprepared for it i can only imagine the difference of playing say in a small college now he played at ohio state but um and then jumping up where even the worst corner on the other team was the best in yeah. college at some point, right? But the thing is, they say that 
in the pros, there are no bad players. <laughs> you know, yeah, the but, worst player in the pros is still yeah, pretty I, yeah, damn so, good. Yeah. So, but anyway, so, 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 Brent, so well, let's leave it like this because you yeah. know there was actually a racial component put by by by, by a writer, which which made no sense. But that said, in honor of Hastings, this isn't the time for that. It's about understanding we did lose someone who seemed to have realized. Uh, uh, like we said earlier, a report came in that uh, talking about there's not enough information yet but saying that in, in, in you know a drunk woman may have been with him in the car and uh but your take where the maturity level and the growth and things and you're saying that it's across the board for for those athletes uh, of every race color or creed you know because yeah. there's nothing that's going to discriminate about how hard you get hit on that field when right. you got the football involved in the play yeah but, the, the racial angle on this befuddled me i'll be honest oh me I too some of those i no, actually, I'm lying. It did not befuddle me because this is what I have come to expect. Everything. Uh, uh, dude, you know what? I know it. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, the race yeah, industry. Yeah. So, racial like conflict is a multi-billion dollar industry. You're absolutely right. Hey, but let's leave it like this. A, a life taken too soon. A yeah. young man. I don't know who he was as a man off the field and I never met him on the field but all I know is what was reported and I look at it from this perspective. He was working his way back up. And uh, he left it in a positive light versus, uh, uh, you know, what he had to deal with earlier. Yeah, was, and, and I would say that to, to, to everyone out there, like, at the end of the day, if you're a Redskins fan and feel he disappointed you, he's still a 24-year-old kid. Think of any, think of yourself at 24 if you're older. Dude, when I was 24, I could sling it. Boy, I was one of the better players on John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Brittany Griner, still in Russia for allegedly breaking the law. Yep. And the WNBA is now gender hustling. <laughs> There's, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll rehash some of this so people remember who she is. We did talk about her yep. once. But in essence, she plays for the Phoenix Mercury. She's, she's a stud basketball player. In basketball circles, she's extremely well-known. Probably the same as a star player in the badminton circles is well-known in the badminton industry. But outside those industries, not very well-known. I'm saying that sarcastically because part of the storyline deals with the conspiracy theory. Who'd ever think a conservative guy would be accusing the leftists of a conspiracy theory, you know? But... You know, she's a stud. She's well-known uh, in WNBA circles in terms of being a star, uh, Olympic gold medalist. So what happened? John, you want to say, this is down your road, Mr. Libertarian. Look, basically she was playing in Russia uh, because she was earning a lot of money in Russia. Uh, right, she, she, she was a star player for the Russian league she was in, right? Right, but John, I think she was actually earning maybe two to three times more in Russia than she was in the States. Yeah, yeah. And that's an important point to remember. For yeah, her. definitely. She, she, was, she, was earning, she was earning great money in Russia, and that's why she was there. She had an opportunity to earn right. a lot more money. So she got uh, stopped at the airport uh, with uh, CBD. Um, cannabis. Cannabis, which, listen, we don't need to go into the chemistry. The point is, it was a banned substance. It was foolish for her to have it trying to cross an authoritarian uh, government. Right, right. The, the only thing to mention on that is it's not CBD in the sense CBD doesn't give you that high. Right, right. But the point is, it's banned. So right. she should have known better. But anyway. Um, that's alleged. Uh, yes. Don't try to take my girl down yet. <laughs> that's, that's what the Russians are holding her on. Yeah. So basically, 
And this was when Putin, before he invaded Ukraine, I believe, but as he was gearing up, so there was international pressure and stuff. So basically, he she became a propaganda piece almost, right? But that's what you, you're alleging. <laughs> I'm poking fun. Uh, it makes sense, but we really don't know yet, do we? Yeah. So she's still in jail, basically. There's been almost no movement. But what's interesting here is um, that somehow, to your point, William, the WNBA is taking this opportunity to, I believe the phrase you used was gender hustle. Gender hustling. Which, which so, again. Sounds like a song. The hustle. Yeah. Gender hustling. Do the, do the gender hustle. I wish I could dance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but basically, you taking the opportunity to to push forth the mythology of a gender wage gap and... okay before you get into that because it's about money yeah she's at the top of her game so let's do her some justice because i kind of just said she's a stud and i shouldn't have said that i don't know what the female version of stud is in terms of how to say that uh but anyway yeah, i don't think the... i don't think it makes a difference she's she's not the wife in her relationship yeah oh yeah <laughs> with that there's a libertarian take people with the number one she was the number one overall pick in 2013 mm-hmm She's uh, averaged 20 and a half, 20.5 points and 9.5 rebounds per game yeah. uh, this past season. She led the Mercury to the WNBA championship in 2014. She's a two-time WNBA defensive player of the year, three-time Russian National League champion. I don't hear them calling her a Putin supporter. <laughs> and four-time EuroLeague champion who won two Olympic gold medals. So obviously financially, she is if not the top female player uh, in the world, basketball, then close to it. But not so just what does that mean money-wise? Yeah, just not even financially. I mean, just as a player, she might be the best player in the world. Uh, yeah. In women's basketball. So yeah, there's no doubting her her credentials and her accomplishments as a basketball player at all. I, don't, I wouldn't think. Right. right, right. Now, if I remember correctly, she was earning like five to eight times more money in Russia. Yeah. So when you hear that, well, and gender hustling is being raised, uh, you know, gender pay difference. It, what about the men? Look, the lesser tier players, the ones who I wouldn't say lesser tier. Well, let's just say the ones who aren't like the LeBrons, who aren't like the Joel Embiid's, who are not the yeah. Steph Curry's, yeah. they typically... And that's a very high... That's like the elite. In, we're talking in about society. the elites. Yeah. Uh, let's say the guys who are typically like, say, the top five or six or even seven, perhaps... On the, the elite NBA players team. don't go over. Is right. What you're saying, right? Some, some people have to go to Europe or to South America or Central America to play basketball because they pay better there. Some have gone to to China to play, right? Um, well, it's not for the men. It's not that they pay better. Uh, I think it's they earn more over there. They're valued more. Well, yeah. Let me there. let me rephrase that. The opportunity to earn more between yeah. salary endorsements and everything. Because let's face it, Americans are viewed as the best basketball players in the world. Exactly. Gen- generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, if you're like on a Greek team or an Italian team or an Argentinian team, and all of a sudden you're getting, uh, like here, here's a perfect example. I remember from my youth, Walter Berry, if you remember him, he used to play for St. John's here in New York, 
uh, played with Chris. Oh yeah, Mullen. yeah, yeah. That's right, Chris Mullen, that whole crew. They right. were like they lost in the finals, I think. Didn't right. They? they always used to go up against Georgetown classic yeah. battles. But anyway, Walter Berry was a great collegiate player. Never really made it in the NBA. He made a ton of money in Europe because exactly. he, was, he was a star in Europe. Yeah. Like here, he was very average. In Europe, he was a star, and exactly. the fans over there loved Walter Berry. And there's guys like that there now, right? Exactly. So men have to go through it. It's just that men are perceived as stealing money from women somehow because of this ridiculous gender gap myth that's well, constantly- well, well, Hold on. Let's realize he's talking about the WNBA here in the States in terms yeah. of- uh, But, but uh, I'm not, saying- not, not but overseas. I'm, See, overseas, I would still wager that the men's game probably pays better for one. Oh, right. I mean, I wouldn't argue, but they're never going to make a case. In the, in, right. In the right. Because We're like one of the few countries, if the only country, a case like this can be made, you know? Yeah, because uh, listen, um, in this country, and it all comes back to a lack of economic knowledge among the people, right? They don't know how economics works. You and I being small business owners, being people who have tried to build a business and, and pay make your payroll and everything, we know one thing, William, if you and I write an article that at, you give it a year and nobody's reading it, are we paying that writer the same as the guy who gets 80% of the page views? No. And we don't care what no, color they my are. Heart we tells me yes. yes. <laughs> are, we don't care what color they are. We don't care what race they are. We don't care what gender they are. We're like, this person makes money for us. They are more productive they will be paid according to their productivity. And the I truth, guess I was, going to say, I was going to say very quickly, the truth about women in general is that they get paid the exact same amount as men in a free market when things are truly equal, meaning the same experience, right. same, same amount of education, same amount of time. See, that's the other thing. There have been studies done on this, real studies, not the Hillary Clinton studies where she just makes up a number, doesn't understand how statistics works, and says, oh, they, uh, women get paid 23% less. No, do you know why that's nonsense? If there was really women doing the same work as men for 23% less, you and I, the first thing we do is start a company and hire only women. Because built into it, we have a 23% ROI that other companies hiring men do not have. Okay. But the bottom line, though, is that wasn't happening. I mean, that uh, the point is, is his whole purpose in saying this, the uh, the, the president of the WMBPA uh, stated while concerned, they found out she's okay mentally and physically. I'm trying to find the quote here. Oh, how, regarding uh, this situation that the reason she's stuck in Russia yeah. is based off gender. He goes, I mean, when is it not? And then he further said, you know, it's disappointing that the question of, you know, it being a gender issue is top of the mind now when it comes to this type of circumstance. But the reality is, is, you know, she's over there because of a gender issue, pay inequity. So he's saying she can't, she, he's making it sound like she, she has to go over there to put food wait, on the wait, table. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Well, did you say he said that? <laughs> Can a man say that? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm wrongly assuming. <laughs> okay, so first of all, if it was a man that said that, haha irony, but let's assume a woman said that. That is what I mean by a gender gap myth, William. They are pinning the fact that this woman 
went to Russia, not because she's being discriminated against. It's the exact opposite. She had the freedom to go where her services were valued the most. Right. That was Russia. Her own desire, greed, if you want to use that word, whatever, meant that she also played in the U.S., uh, what's her name? Sue Bird used to do that all the time to the point. Right. Where, oh, that's right. I haven't heard that. Where that her U.S. Okay. team had to, I forget who she played for, but the U.S. team she played on in the WNBA almost had to put into her contract, you can only play so much overseas because by the time you come back to us, you're exhausted. Yeah. And See, those, and actually, some teams actually encourage their players, but those are the ones that actually need work. Yeah, and you're right. It might be a developmental situation for them or just to get, like, say, bench players just need right. playing time or something right but to free, for, because you know what it is it's a stupid statement based off a faulty understanding of economics it's it's like one mis uh, misinterpreted fact over uh, piled on top of the other and it's intellectually lazy it's it's a myth that i uh, i despise as a data scientist i despise this nonsense Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, John. I was excited. I'm yeah. listening, but yeah, she's a woman. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, so we'll we'll take that back. But but it is it's intellectually lazy because when you look at the statistics, and most people, have, for example, the off-sided 23% does not take gradation into account. For example, in the medical field, most women who become doctors tend to be generalists. They're pediatricians. They're GPs, right? A lot of men, yeah. though, in, in, the, in the specialized fields, like thoracic surgeons, tend to be men. Those are higher paying jobs. But when you hear the statistic, they're all doctors. They're all the oh, same. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. So, oh, yeah. So these are little inconsistencies, stupid myth mythologizing tricks, political tricks to dupe you into thinking that there's a conscious gender gap and it's nonsense few things get my blood boiling than this nonsense. no i can tell yeah i mean you lost us about 10 minutes ago but that sorry passion <laughs> kept going, you know i was like whoa look at him go because that passion has me hooked. send me a tweet send me a tweet <laughs> no but no but seriously no i'm kidding but the point is is uh you are in the minority and you will never win that battle but in this case i, am? I thought i was white <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but in this case you do have the data to back it up. Yeah. That's why I think nobody really talks about this. And when see to me, this is this is what the, the people the other side does is you know they they demagogue you. They make you look like the nut job and conspiracy, but you have the data. But yeah. you're never going to win that argument. No, no, because it, you know why? Because even opponents of gender equity almost concede that 23% number. It is the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it's the same thing as with uh, when you hear about um, racial inequity in terms of uh, pay gaps among different races. Oh, no, no, I, we, we get that, John. It's uh, But before we leave this, there, <laughs> what I call conspiracy theory, you know, I read an article and they kind of, they just make it, like a spy novel and she's so innocent uh you know it's kind of like they kind of want you to believe with no fact that uh she was held from uh, uh being able to contact the consulate now i wouldn't be shocked but we have so much propaganda and social justice has been proven to have been caught lying a lot you know 
I'm like, where was the source? You know? So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just that's how the article reads. Everything slanted the innocent woman. And I'm like, my God, we gotta get her out, regardless. See, I have a belief, and this would be for any country. You take one of our guys, we're gonna we have no choice but to go after you because the moment we don't, and I do mean that, you know, but there's ways to do that, you know, you don't go to war, but yeah, yeah, you gotta return that guy, or yeah, we are shutting the economic pipeline down. But my point being is uh you know it's they're trying to make her look the innocent and nobody has come out and denied and said and this bothers me because i'm like this is a the nuance of life nobody on her our side has come out and said no that's not britney uh you know that's not her she would never do that no there's no way in it i haven't heard that once and i kind of find that stunning in terms of how i look at life to me that's like a clear-cut sign that well, maybe she had it or she likely had it because yeah. there are bigger pawns the sure. Russians could have gone after than her. Sure. Like, I, and I agree with you. I think, look, do I think she likely had it? Yeah. And look, maybe she was unaware of the laws. I think that's pretty stupid. Oh, no. Seven years? I mean, maybe yeah. she was, but what, seven years she's been playing Something there? Like that. That, see, yeah. I don't think yeah. ignorance is, is the issue here. I think she knew it. She probably thought she could get away with it. Or she thought it was no big deal. Maybe she thought if she got caught, she'd pay a fine or something, or they'd just confiscate the stuff. Who knows? But, like, listen, for example, if I take a trip to Thailand, I ain't bringing in any weed. They kill people for that. Exactly, exactly. But right? I like your ignorance take. Yeah. Because that leads us straight into Cam Newton. Oh, but my before God. Before we get to Cam, let's hope for the best that Britney does get home yes, soon. Because uh, we, we need a part of war. It's just that's – there's no words for that. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, I like listen. Uh, I, you know, as a libertarian, nobody should go to jail for yeah. anything. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That shouldn't be illegal from the get go. And but, you know, with cannabis now, the the medicine, medicinal purposes they are finding for it, I don't know if it works. You know, but don't poo poo something because you just have assumptions. Yeah. Exactly. But let's get to the ignorant one, as many <laughs> who are being nice to him are saying, while others are just flat out destroying yeah. him. Look. Cam Newton, to me, has 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 never been one to think before he speaks, and that's a Latino. I I had that terrible <laughs> habit too, and I'm not defending him because it's wrong; it gets us in trouble. And this is what happened. So, I'm going to set it up in terms of what happened, Big John. Then I have some questions for you because I think this is a type of discussion that it's so simple. What happened? Let's, let's talk about it and get into the the, the 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 not heated discussion. I think we'll probably be more alike here, you know. But here's some of the quotes that Cam Newton made on the million dollars. That's how it's spelled. <laughs> million dollars worth of game podcast. Some quotes. Yeah, I had a perfect example of what a man was in my life by my father. Okay, dead. My parents have been together for 36, 37 years now, and it's a beautiful thing. I grew up in a three parent household, my mom, my father and my grandmother. And I knew what a woman was not a bad bitch, a woman or not a bad bitchy woman. I'm assuming it's bitchy. Mm -hmm. Cam Newton. Now, before we go into the other quotes. I get exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the one income household yeah. where the mother's job, see, this is when we'll get into it later, but I'm like, people are assuming that 
Uh, it's a set way where the woman was a servant. And I can see that, but the woman's job of being a mother, raising the kid and keeping that house uh, 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 tight right. was the culture back then. And the reason I, uh, I don't take offense to it is, man, my mom took pride in that house, you know? It yeah. was their job. And yeah. as I'm older and you with numbers will agree, there's a financial cost of that job. Sure. And, and, and it's not cheap. So I think that's what he's talking about, being the one dual income, having a mother there, you know, having a father who, who was a provider. They had their roles, you know, and uh, <laughs> even that didn't go well, it seemed like. What, what do you think of that quote? Look, what's he again, trying to say? <laughs> listen, I don't know what he's trying to say exactly. I can guess. And again, here's my take. I wasn't offended because I never get offended at this stuff. Was was I uh, outraged? Absolutely not. I grew up in one of those households. My mother never has had. My mother's eighty two. She's never That's had. Right. She's the humanist. Yeah, she's a humanist. She's never had a job outside the home. And, and, and isn't a humanist the one that we see on TV shows? The guy who's killed twelve people and, <laughs> and killed the guard while he was taken to prison. That's who your mom's defending. No, no, no. Yeah, my mom thinks that no matter what kind of horrible killer you are. Like, it's hilarious. She'll always turn to me and say, you know, I bet you he wasn't like that as a kid. I bet you if he had the right mother, you know, like she has that outlook in life, you know. So but, in um, essence, it's fair to say your mom was Cam Newton's mom and your dad. And basically, yeah. And so if you asked me and I'm married to a professional woman, a scientist uh, who, who works and is outside the home and all that stuff. Right. And that's how you met her. You were both practicing your jobs. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ask me to this day what my ideal wife is. And I'll go back to someone who stays at home, cooks for me, cleans for me, doesn't yell at me, doesn't nag me, you know, is kind of pretty, right? Like I'll have all that stuff. Now I can think that. And if you asked me my true, true, true opinion, that would be the woman I paint. Like, I don't want an idiot, but yeah. What man, what person doesn't want someone to wait on them hand and foot, you know, <laughs> and like, and it, like, it's a natural human reaction. Now, Having said that, that's why I don't take offense at it. And if that's what Cam Newton is looking in his life, as long as he's not beating anybody up, but he could go looking for the you, rest of his life. Do you uh, agree he was pretty much uh, describing a patriarchal household? Absolutely. And, okay. and and I would challenge anybody who has offense to that. It's like, what what is it that you're actually offended at? Yeah. Um, well, well, well I, I would just say he got flat for it all. And, you know, there's some who even now, give him flat like that. Like, how dare you talk about that old, terrible, evil, vile? Well, that's what I was going to say. Now, ask me if I thought it was a good idea for him to say that. Yeah. We're going to the answer is no. Yeah. You know, but well, hold on. So here's the saying quote: "A bad bitch is a person who is just, you know, girl. I'm a bad bitch. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I look the part, but I don't act the part." Newton said. Right. And there's a lot of women who are bad bitches. And I say bitch in a way, not to the grade women, but just to go off the aesthetic of what they deem is a boss chick. Joe, what do you say there? Because I didn't quite understand the final line there. I, yeah, I, I, I think I understood what he meant. I think, I, who knows, right? Um, but certainly the word bitch coming out of the mouth of a lot of men, um, like for example, Patrice O'Neill used to do this a lot. Uh, I found myself at one point in my life doing the same thing when describing women, not calling them bitches. Yeah, but, I had to say, chill it, out on your wife, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, bitch, colloquially, especially in the urban settings, became a way of talking about a nagging woman. Typically your oh, wife. Okay, okay. I your wife or your girlfriend. 
You would say, oh man, my bitch is really getting on me this week, you know? And it was almost like, you didn't even think what the word meant. It's just something you said. And so you're, hold on. What you're saying is you're, you're saying that's how Cam used it. No, no. So I'm saying that when Cam Newton says these types of women who are bad bitches, first, I think he's mixing his metaphors. So the first instance where he goes, these women who call themselves bad bitches, he's referring to the self-description that some women use when they think they're in charge, right? So they'll be like, yeah, I'm the baddest bitch on the planet, right? The mean girl. I don't know if mean girl is the right word, but it's sort of like they they they've co-opted the word bitch as a source of empowerment. Right. But I think Cam's referring to the mean girl. Well, I think that's where he mixed his metaphors. Right. So I think initially he started off by talking about these women who have who have recaptured the word the way Richard Pryor used to use the N word up until a certain point because he used it in a comedic sense to take away its insulting power that's at least that was at the beginning of his career is that what he said i did not know that yeah well listen his first two albums had the word on the cover right but you know i was younger so richard Pryor. uh oh sure like his first album or his two albums i never heard that type you know oh yeah but i'll give you the title i wasn't a comedian type kid because we only when hbo started but let's take the cam here though real quick yeah uh so I think he mix, he mixed up the use of bitch. He he's just meaning that he's describing a mean girl. Is in essence what he's. I doing think a bossy there. girl might be a better description. Yeah. A bossy girl. Someone... Nah, because when you when he's talking a bad bitch, that is not bossy. That's just a mean woman in his eyes. Uh, maybe, okay. But I'm speculating. I, I, you're right. I can't sit there saying, yeah. but that's what I think. Yeah. You know, now his final quote for us and, and people. Big John and I would never say this. It's we were taught not to say, not to talk like this. But like John said, and I'm a sailor. I've yeah. seen this, heard it, whatever, yada yada. But you don't say it about. That's why Trump's comments never irked me. And I sh- and I'm sure you defended him on that. <laughs> okay, his final quote: A woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs. I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like. You know what, John? It's not even worth finishing, except for this. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, when she's acting like the boss bitch, he comes back and says, you, you know, to put her in her place, he goes, no, baby, you can't cook. <laughs> you don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. And that's when I read that, when I heard that, I'm like, I'm looking around like, boom, am I far enough away from Cam Newton so the lightning doesn't hit me too? Right. Because, I mean, in essence, he is wanting the patriarchal household. Oh, the sure. It, it's obvious. that Now, he was hammered for that. Should he have been hammered? Uh, I see it two ways. See, tell me if you agree, disagree. Yeah, he should have been hammered for how he said all this. Uh, but me, I hammer him for being so so ignorant to say it like that. Right. Uh, uh, but two, what he's trying to describe is uh, a household that actually statistically has been successful. He, yeah, so I, I I agree with your take. He was dumb to say it out loud, and especially in a non-comedic context. Like, again, Patrice O'Neill used to do this. He used the word bitch. He would talk about men being in charge and being better than women. But you got the idea that it was he was being funny, and you also knew from his relationships that all women adored him. Most women that knew him adored him because they viewed him as someone who said, yeah, I'm the man, I'll take the lead, 
and that's the way I want my relationships to be. But he wasn't like you can't work. He wasn't you can't go out or anything like that. That's like that's the. Well, he didn't say that. But but at the end of the day, we can surmise his thought process of a, a nuclear family is a patriarchal family. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 but, now, now, so so fairly attacked for how he said it by the media, by the social justice. How he media. said it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, how he said it, it's fair enough. Certainly fair enough to get to get a response. Yes, absolutely. Man, I tell you, Big John, I actually agree with that take. Well, it's pretty much the same take. Yeah. But uh, there was another point I wanted to make. But, okay, that's it. Is our PC culture denigrating a man's ability to speak freely on life at the uh, and propping women can say anything. So I believe women can say anything and get away with it. I mean, just like where society's gone sexually, etc. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but they can say anything. But if Cam has said that properly, I think he'd still get hammered. Do you think I'm right or wrong? No, I think you're right. I think he could have used the most proper of language. And if he puts across that he thinks it's a man's world, as James Brown used to sing, yeah. uh, he'd be in trouble. Yeah, I, there's no doubt. There's there's no I think Duden sees himself as a provider in that role. He might be, yeah. And or he look, even if he viewed himself as like, hey man, I knew I want to be taken care of by my woman. That's my view of the perfect relationship. Okay, that's his favorite relationship. He, he, you know how he said it poorly. I'm like, yeah, there's we fill each other's needs up. You know, she was she tells me what to do, like you know, I love her, whatever. Okay, why are you doing that? Because she's my wife and I love her. Yeah, you know? what I'm saying is it's like it's everything has to be seen from a certain way when the reality is you treat each other the same. You just have different jobs. Now divorce is up kids look at the generations, but anyway, we think Cam was an idiot for how he said it, right? But we get what he said. And again, I will tell you from a statistical standpoint, those marriages, uh, those marriages tend to be uh, more successful. Yeah. If by successful, you mean that they tend to stay married longer, you're probably right. No, in terms of the kids, uh, to give you an idea, married couples, kids, I forget the stat. Uh, and I'll make this and we'll go on to the, to, to, uh, uh, her poor Mr. Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, but in the military, people don't realize there's a lot of gains on the basis. Oh, okay. And the parents, uh, 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 that are together the most, uh, uh, they don't travel as much, their kids come out better because there's no father figure. Statistically, it's shown. So that's what I mean by statistically. When there's two parents yeah. there, uh, uh, it, you're going to succeed much more. Well, but what, what you said is true, but that's not always good. You know? Yeah, but but statistically, what do we say? I think we're saying the same thing because if you're married, odds are there's the father in the home. So yeah, the right, right, there's right. two parents, the better. Well, that's what I mean. Married, traditional, being married, yeah. man and yeah. woman. That's what You're he's right. referring to. All righty. So uh, this is really your wheelhouse. And yeah. for the listeners out there, I don't know how deep he is, but I know he's run into a lot of people who have uh, lived in the comedic circles. Uh, and, and I don't know how much you've researched it, but that's when I met you, since I've always known you, that's that has always come across as that's part of your world. It's not like you said, I did this, did this. I just sense it the way you talked about it, yeah. people who you come to know. And so I thought of you when Gilbert Gottfried, I saw that. Yeah. Rest in peace. And I texted you. Yeah. And uh, so this is your wheelhouse. So, so yeah. I want to know uh, everything here in the sense of uh, what made him unique, because as I told you off uh, off camera, he wasn't that he was famous. Most people wouldn't know him uh, uh, in terms of if you talked about him, but then they saw his face, or if you mentioned 
the thing they did. It. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's one of those uh, type of actors. Yeah, he knew everybody in the yeah. industry. So first of all, uh, how old was he? And, and specifically, what did he do? Yeah, he was, so he was 67 uh, when he passed away this today, this morning. Um, Gilbert Gottfried was a comedian. More than likely, you've heard his voice. He had a very screechy, annoying Jewish voice. Hey, lady, you know, like, you know, almost like Jerry Lewis. Very stereotypical Jewish in a way. Yes, uh, but but turned up 10 to 10. Exactly. Um, Always loud and everything. People might remember him if you were a Howard Stern fan. He used to be a guest all the time on Howard Stern in in the beginning years, especially. He always used to sit in and do the news. Um, He was the the voice of the parrot in Aladdin. uh, Yeah, well, that was international fame. Well, no, no, that was only American because they they dub him over differently. Yeah, but but it was, um, they, they, from what I read, they created that role only to get him in it. Wow. He was the voice of the Aflac doc. Aflac. That was See, to me, that's his most memorable role. Yeah. He's not known for having voiced yeah. it until he got in trouble. And, and like you said, William, oh, he was very big if you watch the Comedy Central roasts. He was always a, the guy roasting the other celebrities. Um, and possibly one of the greatest tellings of one of the worst jokes ever under the worst circumstances. The 9-11. Uh, uh, the 9-11, uh, right after 9-11 in New York, um, having lived here and actually being at the 9-11 site when it happened, people don't realize what happened to the city. It was not only that you had obviously the loss of life and everything, but the people here didn't, they, they were walking around like zombies. They didn't know how to laugh anymore. They, nothing was funny. Everything was offensive. People were well, crying. And- you were struck at the heart. You were struck in the heart unexpectedly. And let's be honest. You New Yorkers are, you New York Cityers are an arrogant bunch. And I don't say that in a negative yeah, or no, positive way. I, I, yeah, I got relatives there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to have that type of mentality, that, that self-esteem as a city, as a culture, because you may be white, black, you're going to have your identity battles at the middle portrays. But at the end of the day, what's one thing y'all always agree on? I'm a damn New Yorker. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The so Yorkers, that's to me, that's why that happened. I, th- I just think psychologically, that's a great point you bring up. Yeah. You know? and, and people were walking around like, oh man. So the, there was nothing going on in the comedy clubs. There was nothing going on in the nightclub. So Comedy Central put together a roast for Hugh Hefner. They flew him Fire's out. Here. Club. Yeah, he 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 agreed to it, and all the proceeds were going to go to the 9/11 relief funds and all that. So the copy, and you could tell if you watch that, the audience was very on edge. Like they would politely giggle or something, but none of them, nobody was really laughing. So Gilbert Gottfried got up and tried to do a joke where he said, uh, I was on my way to California, uh, but uh, I have a connecting flight at the World Trade Center. Does anybody know if I'm gonna make it on time or something like that? I heard it might be canceled. Oh my God, the booze that rained down on him. People were in the audience yelling, not too soon, too soon. You know, <laughs> like, dude, too yeah. soon. Yeah. And that's the other thing about Gilbert. Never afraid. Watch his roast of Donald Trump. Not afraid to say anything to anybody. He was fearless. I love that. That's why he did a 9 11 joke. He was yeah. And he did, yeah. that, he did that. Like, wait, say, I have a connecting flight at the World Trade Center. <laughs> like, literally, people saying, too soon, no jokes. And you could see he was flustered. And this is in the movie, The Aristocrat. So all of a sudden he goes from booze and without missing a beat, he goes, a man, a woman and uh, and their family walk into a talent agent's office. 
And if you know anything about comedy, he was beginning to tell the filthiest jokes ever written, the aristocrats oh, wow. joke, okay? And this joke, its whole purpose is, this is what one comic says to another comic. It's almost never said out loud in front of an audience. It's always performed for other comedians. And almost like the joke, the inside joke is, how long can you keep cursing and being filthy without repeating yourself? Oh, and then so the punchline like is uh, exercise. Yeah, too. and the punchline is always, "What do you call this horrible act?" And the father leans back and goes, "The aristocrats." You know, and that. So the joke itself is actually a shitty joke, but the process is what comics love. Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. Yeah, you know what? Gilbert Gottfried was funny, but you know what you said about it's about the process. Yeah, there's some comedians who pass away, and I'm like, I never heard of him. But yeah. then you, you, you talk to their friends, and he's the greatest gift that just was never discovered. And then you listen to them, and like, yeah, you're stuck in that process, and you're not funny, you know. Yeah. But yet his peers would look at me like I'm love a them. stupid moron yeah. because you just don't get that humor. Yeah, people love yeah. him. Look. Norman Godfrey was a little of both, or do you think he was just literally funny all the time? I, I don't call him a genius because to me, a genius is being funny while also making you think. Oh, yeah. George Carlin. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Patricia O'Neill, Norm MacDonald to some extent. Um, but I put Gilbert at that tier right below it because he was always trying to make people laugh. Nothing was off limits. I mean, nothing. Um, he's He was a Jew, obviously. And he was he was roasting Hasselhoff, one of my favorite jokes that almost no one remembers. And, and he goes boy. and he goes, uh, David Hasselhoff, uh, he goes, I always read that you you sold tremendous numbers of records in Germany. But like most numbers coming out of Germany, they're probably overinflated and might even be a hoax. <laughs> I died laughing at that. Almost nobody in the audience did. And if you don't get the rest in Germany. Uh, Hasselhoff was big in Germany. No, 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 no. Where did he do the joke? Oh, it was here somewhere. It was for Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah. But but the funny part is, almost nobody got it. And if you don't get the references, he was he was making fun of Holocaust deniers who keep saying it wasn't six million Jews and it was more like six hundred and it probably wasn't even six. Like you have those idiots, right? And he made fun of them while still ragging on Hasselhoff and never broke. And you could see some people were like, what, what, was that funny? You know, well, what's he talking about? And he was always like that. So I give him credit. The roast of Donald Trump, he literally referred to Melania as an Eastern Bloc whore to Trump's face to make well, a joke. You know, that's just how the culture was. It's, it's, I mean, that goes back to before the Dean, like Don Rickles. I mean, he, even today's social justice warriors know who Don Rickles is because they've been pissed at him when he was a 90 year old man still busting out those jokes. Yeah. But and when watch, Rickle, when maybe, Rickle, maybe that's a good, I'm sorry, that's a good way, maybe as a comparison to the old school. Gilbert Gottfried and Don Rickles were both insult comics to the, I mean, yeah. and, and Gilbert was like, Don Rickles was not filthy. He never cursed almost. Um, he would always make jokes, but it would be, I love the blacks. I love the blacks, you know. Oh, and um, the way he'd say, the blacks, the blacks, you know. The it's blacks. Like, or, I cringe now. Just had a, had a like, like, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Will Chamberlain. He's yeah, here. those were some of the Dean Martin roasts. Dean I mean, Martin roast, yeah. And oh, he, I'm like, and they would look at him and I'm like, hey, you know what, John? As, as a flannel, I just would love to be in the head. 
What are you thinking right now with Don Rickles? Oh, wow. They all loved him. Like, I remember the one where he made fun of Mr. T at a roast, and I thought Mr. T might kill him, I, like, because I had bought into the hype of Mr. T. And he yeah. said something, <laughs> he goes, as Mr. T likes to say, who did? You know, and he would, like, make stupid jokes like that. And yeah, goes, but, but what they say, I mean, I agree with you, because yeah. it seems like he was one of those, he was in the era where they were all beloved, they all worked hard to get there, they wanted Yeah, to so, so you're right, there was a certain cachet to that. And I think it's the same thing with Gilbert Gottfried. Most comedians, if you looked at the tweets from comedians, they all loved him. There was, there was, maybe you'd find one or two who were stuck up and didn't like him. Most of them considered it a badge of honor to be roasted by Gilbert Gottfried. Right, mean, right, right, right. And that were, was in the Friars, remember? Yes. Back in the day, it was an honor to be roasted. Yeah. So yeah, I, put, I put Gilbert on that level where he made me laugh almost every time. Some of his things were very witty, but I don't call him a genius because I don't think he had that social relevance that the geniuses have. Right. But what about he, somebody like Jerry Lewis then? I mean, oh, Jerry Lewis is an idiot. I I, I have no love for Jerry Lewis. You don't think he was funny at all? No. He pulled it off in an era. I, I guess mean, I understand. I understand. I mean, don't tell that to a Frenchman. Yeah. Go to oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, David Hasselhoff is the Germans. Yeah. The, Ger the Germans, Jerry friend. Lewis. Yes, that's yeah. you're absolutely right. But but uh, Jerry Lewis is a great point because he was very successful. Like I can never take away success with Dean Martin. And, and that's my whole point is is he's an idiot. I'm like, yeah, but that idiot. It wasn't just the movies. And, right. uh, it was a uh, it, it was his act on the road, which is what got him in the movies. Yeah. I, but then he succeeded. Uh, I think he did better than uh, uh, in Hollywood than Dean Martin after they broke up. Dean Martin may have had a longer career crooning. Who knows? I don't yeah, know. yeah. And like it was a different era. And I don't think. But see, I'm also referring to stand-ups, which is a different beast than comedic actors, than sketch actors, than improv actors. Like I look at stand-ups with reverence because I view them as often being the leaders of social change. And they're the ones who hold us up to a light. So Lenny Bruce is the perfect example, right? Lenny Bruce wasn't really all that funny. If you listen to his material now, he really wasn't all that funny. But I heard his material uh, when I was a kid and I didn't get it because I was too young, but I, it wasn't funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny. I don't think he was very funny, but he was very important because of the way he used language. Uh, Richard Pryor is the perfect example of someone who was controversial, like we were talking about it before. Oh, he's funny though. His first album, or one of his first albums was called This <laughs> is Crazy. Dude, and why do you have to say that word? <laughs> because I'm quoting what was on his, he put it on yeah. his, right? I just want to clarify for the audience, that's yeah. it. Don't worry, it probably got beeped out, William. But what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that he used that word for a reason and it wasn't to either degrade or to get a cheap laugh right he, he used it to show how ridiculous that word was when it was used in anger and he took that power away so gilbert gottfried in the same way tried to do that by making fun of everything why did he get fired from his Affleck gig by the way the easiest money he ever made he was getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go Affleck. And how, is there not one if if in every single American who has seen that commercial anywhere in the world, what do we do when we see that commercial? We try to imitate the duck voice. There you go. Right. I, I, I didn't, didn't think about it. Something simple, but that was the that was that was Godfrey's voice. You know, it's kind of funny. We don't even realize uh, the magic behind what we're looking at. And by the way, why did he get fired? Do you remember the he got fired because Japan is where Aflac, I guess, has his 
home away from home cottages because I guess uh, like seventy percent of their business is in Japan. Japan, right? And I didn't know that. So, but in his defense, no. But what did he do? I don't think you, he knew that. Do, no, he knew it. Do you know why he got fired? Tell the people. Do you remember? Oh, he got fired because he made a joke. He tweeted uh, a yeah, joke he tweeted about some Japanese jokes. Something and, about like beachfront. Oh, property. that's what it was. The earthquake had just happened. The, no, it was the yeah, tsunami. It was the tsunami. Yeah, the tsunami. The tsunami, and it triggered yeah. earthquakes. But more importantly, <laughs> it triggered Fukushima to fail. You know, so it was like yeah. it's one of those things where like. Dude, this is too soon. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. No, no, you don't get it. We got to fire you over this. F- FYI, he never apologized, which is another thing I loved about him. He well, never... you know, if he didn't know, it's like there's an honest mistake. I mean, there's. I guess you could apologize. Yeah, I'm sorry, because I didn't realize. Versus, I'm not apologizing for what I said. I just apologize to something I got offended. Yeah? Right, Meaning, right, it's not right. worth my bother. Knock yourself out if you want to hear my apology. Well, which is by, a good topic. Uh, for right. That. By the way, as a, if you want to find out more about him, he had a podcast that he was doing right up until he died called uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Colossal Amazing Amazing Colossal Podcast. Who was his first guest? Oh man, um, I don't know. That's a good trivia question. I don't know. Dick. Huh? I, I really Cavett. don't know. Who? Dick Cavett. Decavit makes sense. And, and, and for most people don't know, but that is kind of like, that's like uh, 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 Cinderella, the poor person, dirt bag, no elite would ever be seen with. You know, that's Godfrey. Decavit yeah. is the man who interviews all those elite, super rich, wealthy, powerful, famous. And, and well, who was it that got that? Cavett. People forget Dick Cavett is the one who got the famous Richard Nixon episode. Uh, right, you, where he got Nixon to admit it's not illegal if the president I mean, does. Dick Cavett, for him to have a podcast and open up with Dick Cavett speaks volumes as to his his his, his circles out there of friends. Well, the respect, yeah, the respect and, got, and the yeah. respect yeah. for Dick Cavett. The say, yeah, I do your podcast, you, you idiot yeah. comedian. I mean, that's how you would think of it because yeah. it's his agent saying you got to do that, Dick. But that's more like Dick. Yeah, dude, it, it was funny because I went to see him in uh, Caroline's about six, seven months ago. Uh, he came on the bill and I said, oh, I got to go see him uh, because I had never seen him live. And I went to see him and I remember thinking it wasn't his strongest show because he wasn't as energetic as he usually is. I'm tired. And, and now you can't help but thinking like, oh, oh, oh so when was this? About six, seven months ago. Oh, that's exactly what it was. Because they said this was a. Uh, in fact, we should have opened up with that. They have a nice little quote here uh, about him. Myotonic uh, dystrophy type two. It's a. Uh, it's a rare disease. Uh, it affects the heart. Uh, right, and, and it gives you muscle weakness, pain, and stiffness. And uh, it's a, it's it sounds like it's not really serious for most, but. If it lasts longer than it should, or whatever, it can trigger all these things, then, yeah. uh, including cardiac arrest, and uh, it's just a sad case because it, it's not the myotonic dystrophy type two. If that's how you say it. That killed him. It's the ventricular tachycardia. Yeah, but that's triggered that's, by the previous thing I said. Yeah, that's <laughs> the arrhythmia that's caused. Yeah, I think. yeah. But um, so that makes sense though yeah. with the symptoms. So yeah, you know. Uh, well, okay. So we know it's Affleck duck. We know uh, he lost that because he pissed Japanese off. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I mean, he was, he was in a lot of other bit roles. He was in Beverly Hills. Right, but I wanted to ask you, what do you know about him before we, we, we end this is, what do you know about his SNL? Look, SNL, nobody oh. knows who the main members were except for the most main ones. Yeah. Uh, but that was not a nice experience for him, was it? No, he, he didn't even last a season. So what what's interesting is SNL, people view it as, this, oh my God, because they're thinking of the John Belushi days. Right. Or if, the uh, Eddie Murphy days. Or the Eddie Murphy days, right. But Saturday Night Live almost has a tradition of turning away talented comedians because they, yeah. they are so tied up in politics and backstabbing. Um, Jim Brewer, Gilbert Gottfried, Sarah Silverman. Um, Louis C.K. Larry David. Larry David, the guy who wrote Seinfeld and has uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He, he was a writer and bit player there for a while. So there was all these guys that later went on to do great things, but they just, it was the, it was the attempt to put a corporate structure on these loose cannons and it just never worked. You know, I always got the impression, John, it was more to do with politics. Sure. It's yeah. like they had the jockey to see who's, uh, uh, and then obviously when somebody got a little famous, they got more of their stuff in. Well, why did Norm, uh, why did Norm McDonald get fired? The famous story. Because he made fun of OJ. He made fun of OJ nonstop. But that's the politics. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, think about this. They told him, Dick, Dick Ebersole, who ran NBC, said, OJ is a good personal friend of mine. Don't make fun of him. Just ignore the subject, all right? And every Saturday night, you would tune in. I would tune in just for this. On News Update, Norm MacDonald would come on and talk about OJ the murderer. Uh, like Dude, OJ the murderer. Tim Meadows has a classic. He's playing OJ and he's back. It's great to be back, Bob. Great to be back, whatever. <laughs> so then he's diagramming the play. You know, as he's slowly diagramming, you know, you're listening, but you're watching what he's writing. He's writing, I did it. Tim Meadows pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, so well. But that, was an oh. but that was an approved skit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. That went live. Norm McDonald got fired because Dick Ebersole finally said, "I've had enough," and he told them, "You're not funny anymore." And, they, and he had Lorne Michael. Now, the funny thing is, Norm McDonald, of course, didn't care because he was like Gilbert Gottfried. He was from that generation that money really wasn't that important to them. It was the ability to be honest. So Gilbert Gottfried probably fell into that thing where they were like, "Okay, you got to make ha ha jokes and funny jokes and not offend anybody and all you that." Know what stuff. I think, John, he's such a, he comes across as this nice guy. Nobody's ever said me thing. That's the type of scenario. If you're not strong to stand up, hey, this is funny for yourself, or you're, if you're intimidating because some of these are comics you admired, you know, it, you know, it's easy to be pushed to the side, you know. But I think I don't think they tried the corporate structure. That's why they brought Lorne back. You know, because Lauren left and, and, and Lauren didn't care about the structure as long as they showed up to work. You know, um, yes, there were people There's afterwards he stopped working with that he wanted to do movies with because uh, 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 they couldn't not show up, you know, whether sober or not drugged out. So, I mean, that it's was funny. kind of his line or like what you said. What I'm saying is that's Lauren yeah. also, was, I think he's a reformed alcoholic. I could be wrong. I, I don't know, but you know, a lot of comedians who went through SNL, uh, they don't have nice things to say about him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They don't yeah, have yeah. nice things yeah, to yeah, say Yeah, yeah, but because, him. dude, 
it's Lorne against them. Lorne is the management they hate because he's the one who's actually holding them back. Because see that when Lorne came back, he had final say. And I'm not defending SNL. I haven't really enjoyed it since yeah, the first five years. Heard. And then I've enjoyed sessions of years. Like I I don't I know Will Ferrell's politics. And it was such a stupid skip. Him and Sherry O'Terry doing the cheerleader. You know, just so, so there were, there's been yeah. periods, but since they left, I have, I don't even bother. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I don't watch it now either. I'll, like if something's funny and it goes viral on the internet, but I haven't tuned into Saturday Night Live. I'm not exaggerating, maybe 20 years. Holy mackerel, man. It hasn't been that long for, for yeah. me. But any final words on a man you actually looked, uh, 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 sounded to me when we talked to you? I, yeah, I, I, I love Gilbert Gottfried. Rest in peace. That's all I have to say. It's uh, He died young, 67. It's not that old for today's uh, lifespan. So, uh, yeah, R.I.P. Gilbert. Yeah, and may he rest in peace. Yeah. And, John, you know, it's been a little long show. Uh, longer we got into some of the heated discussions who think that cam newton will get us so hot it must be that church lady outfit he wears that was one of the twitter responses i look for a man who doesn't dress up like he's going to like my mom going to sunday church that's a good one <laughs> yeah but it's a great show as always john people do not forget to visit us at www.sportsgrumblings.com and please share also it's great to have you. It's great to be on with you, John. And until next time, y'all have a good night. Good night, Mr. Pilar. Good night, big girthy John. <laughs>